0: together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. De repente,
1: vino del cielo un ruido como el de una violenta ráfaga de viento
2: y llenó toda la casa donde estaban reunidos.
0: separated and came to
2: rest on each of them. <speaking in foreign language> All of
0: them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. <speaking in foreign language>
3: Dika muaho, leyeha, ike, ikuwa, oku.
0: Sunday. This is the Sunday when the church worldwide celebrates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. Would you stand and let's join our voices together singing Come Thou Almighty King. <laughs>
2: one day be restored and they'll know we are Christians by our love by our
1: As Jess just noted, uh, today is obviously Pentecost Sunday—a day, uh, at least in one aspect, we are celebrating the coming of the Spirit who brings life. Z- Z- Ezekiel's prophecy. In Ezekiel's prophecy, God says, "This: I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life." The people will say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Prophecy to the breath. Prophesy and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. We will pray together this morning with some of the words on the screen. Join me. God of hope. We bring before you those whose lives are dried up. Come from the four winds, O breath of God, and breathe upon these that they may live. We pray for those dried up, dried up by disappointment, by bitterness, by guilt. We pray for those whose spirit is drained by grief, by hunger, by despair. Come from the four winds, O breath of God, and breathe upon these that they may live. God of hope, we bring before you those whose hope is lost. Come before the prince, O breath of God, and breathe upon these that they may live. We pray for people persecuted, violated, left for dead. We pray for bewildered, delusioned, Apathetic. Come from the four winds, O breath of God, and breathe upon these that they may live. God of hope, we bring before you those who feel cut off. Come from the four winds, O breath of God, and breathe upon these that they may live. We pray for those cut off by age, by disability, by thoughtfulness. We pray for those cut off from family, from neighbors, and even from God. Come from the four winds, O breath of God, and breathe upon these that they may live. God of hope, we thank you for the promise of restoration, of a new day, and of new life. Thanks be to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Hear this appeal from Paul to the church. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: sound, rushing wind, fire of God, fall within Holy Ghost breathe on us we pray As we repent turn from sin revival embers smoldering breath of God fan us into flame We need Fresh with the fragrance of hell.
0: it is because of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection that we have peace with God and with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. I invite you to share a sign of that peace with your neighbor as you are comfortable.
4: Good morning, everybody. In case you don't know who I am, my name is Betsy Bruins. I'm the Minister of Children and Families here at Fellowship. So the month of May has been a busy one for us at church. We had a bunch of new members joining us at the beginning of the month. Then um, Mother's Day, we had baptisms. Um, Now seems to be the time of graduations. So um, that includes graduations of kids' from fifth grade going up to sixth grade. And it's just a really important time, not just academically for kids as they go from elementary school into middle school, but also um, socially and really spiritually as the kids really start to grow more in their faith and they grab onto um, that faith that becomes more theirs. So what we do as um, a church is we give the, the fifth grade students a Bible. And so we had a big... Um, celebration of all things fifth grade uh, about a month ago. And a lot of the kids got their Bible on that night. The kids that weren't there were able to get their Bibles at a different time. So we did present the kids their Bibles already. The Bible that they got is this, um, it's an RS or N, it's a new revised standard version, same as the one that's in our pews. And it's called a thin line Bible because it's a little bit thinner than other Bibles, and we do that because then kids can take this hopefully to Camp Geneva or Cran Hill or if they go on an Elevate trip or possibly even a high school ministries trip in high school, they've got a great Bible, easy to pack away, but yet not too small that they can't read it, which is also good. So... Um, We're just going to celebrate that this morning, and behind me you're going to see on the screen um, all the kids getting their Bibles, and we're going to sing a song of blessing over the kids. If you want to extend a hand to the screen as we sing the song of blessing, that would be great. Thank you.
1: Cool, what a great looking group of people. Uh, I wanna welcome everyone to worship at Fellowship Church where our mission together is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. If you are new or if you're visiting with us or if you wanna make yourself known to us or sign up uh, for something, there's these connection cards uh, that you can uh, fill out. uh, They're at the back of the uh, sanctuary or behind the sanctuary uh, by the Welcome Center and also by the doors. If you are new or visiting with us or watching online, you will notice that there is a sea of red. And this is a little bit of a fun fellowship tradition on Pentecost Sunday to wear red. And so there's a number of folks that are wearing red this morning, and that is really fun, but grace abounds for those of you that forgot, like I usually do. And uh, this this year, I, I actually crushed it. Well, by crushing it, I mean, I put an accessory on at the end, you know. But it's kind of curious to me that we use the color red for Pentecost, you know? I mean, I guess the flames were red uh, on the people, but it is a curious color because usually when I think of red, I think of sacrifice or of blood when I think of the, 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 it, within the Christian context. And we oftentimes remember, and rightfully so, that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, one man for the sake of all of humanity. And yet, uh, this Pentecost Sunday is also a fitting Sunday to celebrate God's coming to us in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. But it's also a weekend in which we remember the sacrifice of some for the sake of many. And so uh, it is our uh, tradition here at Fellowship to remember and take a moment of, of pause to remember those who sacrificed everything for the sake of someone else. Amen. This morning, we uh, also are celebrating some good news and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon all people, uh, but the special pouring out of the Spirit uh, on one person. And so our president, Linda Milanowski westdorp is gonna come up and share with you some exciting news. But as she does, I want to remind uh, those of you who might be worshiping with little ones uh, that this morning is, uh, we're all worshiping together Sunday. Uh, So uh, kids uh, uh, four and above are invited to stay in worship with us. El Presidente. Who is not wearing
5: red? What's uh, up with that?
1: Well, that's You're just Light making
5: pink. everybody else feel better, you know? Pink. I think pink is in the same family. Yes. Um, well, it's such a blessing to uh, be up here. I've asked Bryce Vanderstelt, our uh, Minister of Youth and Young Adults, to join me. Um, and just to follow the... Part about uh, the children with the Bibles and just to see the beginning of their upbringing here at Fellowship under Betsy's leadership, which we're so thankful for. We just want to bring your attention to something kind of fun that's happening with Bryce right now, which is about a year and a half ago, he completed seminary at Western Seminary, and uh, just recently, our consistory and classes have approved his ordination. Yeah, woohoo! Yeah. Feel that love? Feel that love? Okay, good. Um, And so while some people are asking, well, what does that mean? Is he going to leave us? No, he's not going to leave us. He does not have plans to leave us. And largely, a lot of things about his role won't change. So he'll continue to lead our youth and young adults. He'll continue to support Jess and the worship and arts visual team with their um, creating um, videos that really give voice all the good work god is doing throughout all of our missions here at fellowship give more opportunity for people to tell their stories in that way and um so with those things and we'll also get to see him preach once in a while with maybe a little bit more than we have in the past and so we're excited about that and so with all those things that are largely continuing as is what does this ordination mean to you and to the youth and to this whole church
6: Uh, I know when we were talking, I said, I've been doing youth ministry now for 12 years. And there's uh, nine years here now, if you can believe it's been that long already, and then three years at a previous church. And a couple of things that I've learned over that time. uh, The first thing is that I love doing youth ministry. I love getting to know the students, and I love the the adult leaders that that uh, pulls in, uh, because it's a certain type of person that wants to be a youth leader. And I've loved this ministry, but I also have learned that for just that it's important to continue to grow. For five and a half of the years that I've been here, I've been doing seminary halftime, and that was the point to grow. And now ordination feels like this new step to continue to grow, to continue to do a ministry that I love while also doing new things and getting to experience things um, and even broadening the relationship with students, being able to do things like baptisms, serving communion, uh, how those different things fit into ministry as a whole. Uh, and with video and different things that I've done already. To be able to get permission to explore passions in your job is a pretty great thing to be able to do. So Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for it.
5: Awesome. Well, we're glad you're willing to continue in that role here at Fellowship. And I really, I just have to say that it warms my heart to think about this from the fact that these youth and young adults that are emerging into their adult life have the opportunity to have this relationship. And also like when they're out on youth groups and youth trips to have communion and be able to celebrate communion. And some of these kids that join us from other places may not have had communion in the past so those are the things that just really warm my heart about this so thanks again for your welcome and uh, we'll continue to support you
1: in your ministry and hip hip hooray come on That's awesome! Thank you, uh, Linda and Bryce, for being willing to share a little bit this morning. Our Pentecost offering is going to—we uh, pray—continue to pour the Spirit out uh, on a place where there's not a, a lot of faithful Christians in Europe. Uh, and so, our uh, Pentecost offering will go to our church planting partner uh, in the Netherlands, Christian and Cecilia Van Dijk, who were with us just a few weeks ago, as a, an extra offering to them uh, and the good work that God is doing in and through them. The next song will be an opportunity for us to prayer, prayer our hearts to hear God's word for us this morning.
3: Together. Oh Lord our God, we recognize today that on that first Pentecost you offered a dramatic outpouring of your very presence, the Spirit of the Living God. And that day was not a day of great confusion, but of great clarity. So we ask that you would do it again today. Illumine our minds, unite our hearts. Ignite our curiosity and join our spirit to your spirit today, we pray. And to that end alone, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. When Peter, The Apostle Peter, when he offered that first Christian sermon on Pentecost Sunday, you can read about it in Acts chapter 2, the sermon he preached there was four things, at least. It was, first of all, biblical. It was rooted in scripture. It was, second, Christocentric, centered on Christ, all about Jesus. It was, third, historically informed, naming memorable people and memorable events, particularly in that case, the King David. And finally, it was personally applicable. It was livable. It was doable. It called for a response, and the people who heard it were cut to the heart, the text tells us. It seems to me that Peter preached that way with spirit power on Pentecost because resurrection news is shareable. And today I want to preach a similar kind of fourfold Pentecost message, nowhere near the caliber of Peter's first sermon, but I want to put before you four different images or diagrams today with the simple hope that one of them will stick to you this week by the power of the Holy Spirit and that you might go out from this place and tell someone about it and why it's sticky to you this week in particular. If you do that, I think you'll be going out and doing a Pentecost thing, paying attention to the Holy Spirit and sharing resurrection news. But first, of course, we got to read the text. So I invite you to hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love as it comes to us from Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, a handful of verses there. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. You'll notice up there, I pulled a couple things for you to notice. It says that in the former book, which is the Gospel of Luke, Luke and Acts belong together, that is the story of all that Jesus did and taught. And he did the things and then Taught them. He didn't ask people to do things that he didn't do himself. And then it mentions after, after, after. The book of Acts is folding, unfolding after, after, after. After Jesus had suffer, suffered and died. After he had made these various resurrection appearances to his disciples. And after he ascended to the right hand of God the Father to rule over heaven and earth. After, after, after is when Pentecost happens. And the story continues. Says on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem, he said, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll notice again, this is another appearance story. Jesus appearing to his disciples and offering words of instruction. But he's telling them, first of all, to have patience, to wait, to not act until they are acting with God, to not go off on their own accord, but to wait. And the spirit that is promised is one that is described as a gift that is a power. And then it happens in chapter two of Acts where it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So the disciples are gathered obediently doing just as Jesus told them to do. They're waiting and the spirit comes and it's described as like wind and like fire. It's not pantheism. It's not saying that the spirit is wind or is fire. It is saying that the spirit is like wind and like fire. And it says this in uh, Acts chapter two, verse four. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we all hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's begin canonically. Let's begin with the book of the Bible and the books that are contained in it. If you said to me, hey Ross, I've heard that the best interpretive scripture is scripture itself. So which other passage in the Bible do you think is the most helpful in order to understand Pentecost? I would first balk because I do not like the superlative type of question that says, pick just one, your favorite, the best, the only kind of thing. It's so narrowing. It's so hard to pick your favorite vacation place, your favorite Bible verse, your favorite child. How do you do these kinds of things? You can't. But if you forced me to pick just one, I wouldn't pick Ezekiel 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones. I wouldn't pick Joel chapter two where God promises to send out the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't pick Ephesians chapter one where the Holy Spirit is described as a seal or a guarantee of God's salvation coming to us. I wouldn't pick those. See what I did there? I told you I wouldn't pick them so I could mention them anyways. (laughs) If forced to pick just one, I would pick Genesis chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. That story canonically seems to be the twin story to the story of the day of Pentecost. By way of reminder, if you don't remember this story, the Tower of Babel is the story of humans coming together with the brilliant idea of building the world's first skyscraper. But if you study the text more closely, I think you'll see that alongside its twin, Pentecost, it gets really interesting. The Tower of Babel, we'll look at them on three fronts. The context, the motive, the posture, and the result. The Tower of Babel begins with uniformity. It begins by saying the people all had one language together. And then they have this motive, a posture of pride. They decide to do something together. Let's build our way up to the heavens and let's do it so that we can make a name for ourselves. Let's get recognized is what they're basically saying. And the end result of this activity is that God sees their hubris and scatters them and scrambles their language. Pentecost is kind of the opposite, isn't it? It begins with diversity. People from many nations, every nation, the text tells us, is gathered and they're each speaking in their own tongue, of course. The posture of the disciples as we've already acknowledged is a posture of humility. They are waiting why? Because Jesus told them to wait. They're waiting. And the end result is that God sends the Holy Spirit, which brings forth the one story of God, the mighty act of God, but each person hears it in their own languages, so the languages are unscrambled and understood by all. They're opposite stories, really. A catchy little definition that I learned long ago of heaven and of hell. Uh, It's not a perfect definition of these terms, but it's memorable. It's this, heaven is the place where everybody is doing God's thing. Hell is the place where everybody's doing their own thing, which is a little bit of what you're getting at in this story of Babel as well. In the Tower of Babel story, when the people speak, they're seeking to advance their own causes. Yippee for us and the great things that we can do. In the story of Pentecost, when the people speak, They're telling the mighty acts of God. And when Peter gives his first Christian sermon, it's all about Jesus, the name above all names. So here's the first of the four diagrams, one of which I hope sticks in your life this week by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think I've shared this one with you before. It's definitely sticky to me. It's the universe of me and a universe centered around God. On the universe side, you can see it puts me in the center of the world. And the most important things are my stuff and stuff about me. The next ring out is stuff I hate. And the furthest ring out is other people. Everywhere else is nowhere, okay? (laughs) You get the idea. It's kind of like the Tower of Babel. On the other side, you get a world that is centered around God and the things that God loves, and so it moves outwards, first of all, loving God above all things, then loving other people, and then seeking to do good whenever and wherever you can. Two different models that seem to map according to the Tower of Babel and the Day of Pentecost. That's the first image you might remember today. But after we consider the story of Pentecost canonically, I want to also consider it with you historically, okay? The story of Pentecost appears in our Bibles in a book that's called the Acts of the Apostles, right? The Acts of the Apostles. And the book is certainly that, 28 chapters of the disciples going out and doing the thing from that last slide, loving God, loving others, and doing good. But you could also call the book the Acts of the Holy Spirit, Right? Because they are acting, but the Spirit is acting in and with and through them to go out to all the various places. I heard a story recently of a Hindu person, a person in India, who by their own accord discovered a New Testament. And they began to read it on their own, starting with the Gospels, of course. And as they read, they became enthralled with this person named Jesus his mighty words, and his mighty deeds that are told throughout the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As a person who had not heard these stories before, which are perhaps just way too familiar to some of us, the parables of the kingdom, walking on water, feeding 5,000, all these great stories of Jesus, when this new Hindu Bible reader pressed in and read about this stuff, he was enthralled, fascinated. And he kept on reading. And he got to the book of Acts. And when he began to read the book of Acts, he got up. And he went and found the nearest Christian leader that he could. And he said this. It looks to me like the people, the followers of Jesus, his disciples, began to do the words and the works of Jesus. The one who first captivated me are now being done by these people. And so he goes on to say the church picked up where Jesus left off. Therefore, I must belong to this church because this church carries on the life of Christ in the world. Kind of cool to have that other perspective on our very own scriptures. The Pentecost promise does unfold historically. That's why we have this book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles. And Jesus states it clearly in a kind of mission statement for us. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You can see it's these concentric circles moving out, out, out from the place where you already are, or are further out and into the world. On the next map, you can see where the disciples actually do do it. You may not be able to read all the small prints here, but each dark arrow there represents the disciples going out from Jerusalem to do the very thing that Jesus said that they would do. They go out to the various places. James the just stays there in Jerusalem. Matthew goes up to Judea and Samaria. Thomas, doubting Thomas, goes off to India. Philip and John go off to Asia and other places. But by and large, you can see Jesus said it, and then it happened. It's the outline of the book of Acts. The people went out and really did become witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. Throughout Eastertide, you may know, we have been following along and paying attention how resurrection news is a multitude of things, great things for us. Resurrection news is controversial. It's missional. It's eerie, it's exciting, it's personal, it's consequential, as we even explored last week. But today, we are recognizing also that resurrection news is shareable, and that is precisely what the disciples began to do with it after Pentecost. They shared the news. To what extent did they share it, you might ask? To the end of their own lives, really. You can go ahead and Google it. You'll find an image kind of like this one there, but almost all of the disciples would go out and die sharing the news. Look at the icons up there. You can see they represent the ways in which they died. They died by sword, by stone, by hook, by whip, by cross, and by club. Almost every single one of them. Except perhaps John, the beloved disciple, who maybe just died of old age, but almost all of them went out and died while sharing the news. But before they died, they went. They went. So here's the second of the four diagrams that I hope one of them will stick with your heart today by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an image of what was before Pentecost and what is after Pentecost. Before Pentecost, the idea was come to us and all the people came to a centralized place. Jerusalem, the religious capital of the world, 15 nations descend upon that place. Before Pentecost, the idea is come to us. After Pentecost, however, the disciples go out from that place. And you can see, actually, this is a map of where all the places that the disciples went, color-coded. They went out, like the one I showed you before, to even more places than were mentioned on the other slide on the one side there. It ends up being a kind of reverse flow event, like the Chicago River. If you've been to Chicago and learned about that, they turned around the way that the river flows, flowing into the city and then flowing out of the city probably not good for the environment. That's not the point here. Uh, But this is a reverse flow kind of thing from a come to us model to a go to them model. The church no longer retreating from the world, but going out to it with gospel news. Point number three, Pentecost matters canonically. Pentecost matters historically. Pentecost also matters organizationally. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing a song, one of my favorites. It's called King of Kings. It's a rare song which tells the whole Christian story. It sings of Jesus' incarnation, his life, his death, his resurrection, but it also sings of Pentecost. Okay? And the line that I hope catches you today Is the one that says, On the morning that he rose, all of heaven held its breath. The stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the church of Christ was born. And the Spirit lit the flame. The gospel truth of old shall not kneel and shall not faint. Pentecost. To be clear, Pentecost is not the birthday of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit has existed from all eternity alongside the Trinity. Pentecost is also not the first time that God starts working with people. God has always been doing that from the very beginning as well. But Pentecost could be described as the beginning of the Christian church, the beginning of the group that gathers in Jesus' name in order to share resurrection news. And that's what begins on this day called Pentecost. A few years ago, there was a book that came out. uh, Perhaps you know of it. It's called The Starfish and the Spider, It's a book that I don't think is about the church at all, but it actually is quite a bit about the church, (laughs) maybe by accident. The point of the book is both biological and organizational, and each of these matter to us, I think, as Christians, because biblically, the church is the body of Christ, an organism and an organization, right? So biologically, there's an enormous difference between a spider and a starfish, okay? Okay even if they look kind of similar. A spider has a body in the center and then eight legs that sprawl out off from it. And if you talk to any middle schooler who's spent too much time with a daddy long legs, they'll tell you, you can pull off some of those legs and the spider won't die. But if you squash the body, it's dead, right? A starfish is quite a bit different. A starfish actually doesn't have a center. It has five legs, but each one of those legs has its own complete set of organs. Cut off one of those legs, and it will just regrow that leg again. And the one leg that you cut off might even grow back an entire new starfish. Pretty cool. Organizationally, you can see how organizations take these shapes. Spider-like organizations, you might think of maybe most governments or businesses from the industrial era, they're high on hierarchy. There's a celebrity-type leader. The goal is assimilation rather than adaptation. And if you squash the head, you squash the whole. That's a spider-like organization. On the other side, you have a starfish-like organization. Here you can think of really even terrorism like Al-Qaeda or Wikipedia or OpenAI kinds of things. There's a flexible hierarchy. There's no headquarters. There's highly adaptability. And it's a little bit like whack-a-mole, where if you squash one part, it just pops up somewhere else, maybe even stronger. Now, let's be clear. The church is actually a bit of a hybrid because we clearly do have a head. His name is Jesus, and he is the head of the whole church, but he is in that place after, after, after after having already suffered and died, after having made all kinds of resurrection appearances, and maybe most importantly, after having risen to the right hand of the Father to rule over heaven and all of earth too, he is now unsquashable. And the church is now, after Pentecost, more like a starfish than like a spider. Even when the church dies somewhere, it rises up somewhere else. It's a cool, cool thing. So the third image that might stick with you today on a Pentecost Sunday is this one, which shows the difference between a spider and a starfish and suggests that Pentecost marks the beginning of a distribution of power onto a diversity of people and nations and languages whereby Jesus, the ascended head, is now unsquashable and the church is spread, duplicating and decentralized. One last thing. Today, I do hope that you see that Pentecost is not only a great reversal of the divisions that happened at Babel. Pentecost is not only a great empowerment of the first disciples to go out into the world and do great things. Pentecost is not only a great celebration, the birthday of the church. Pentecost is also a great gift to you and to me, personally, the Holy Spirit is given to each and every one of us. I tried to think of the most boring way possible to say this to you. I landed on grammar, specifically prepositions. (laughs) I'm only kind of kidding. I'm kidding about the boring part. I'm not kidding about the prepositions. One of the best little books about the Holy Spirit is an old, old one by St. Basil the Great from around the 4th century AD. It's called On the Holy Spirit. He makes the case in the book for the importance of prepositions as one of the best ways to understand the way that the Holy Spirit works among us. If you don't know what a preposition is, thank you to all the teachers of the world who have come up with these nifty songs. This one is according to the Yankee Doodle Dandy tune, and those are prepositions up there. I have failed every single time I've tried to do it. Nate might try. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But those are prepositions. Here's what I hope you notice about it. It's uh, the fourth of our four diagrams today, the Holy Spirit and you or the Holy Spirit and me. The key words are prepositions. The Holy Spirit is in, with, to, and through us. And you can look at those scriptures up top there. If this is brand new information, please do take us picture of that and go visit those texts, but they're just a sampling of the ways that the Holy Spirit is described as one given to us, who is in us as our comforter and our guide, who is with us as our advocate and our helper, who is to us giving gifts of the Spirit and producing fruit of the Spirit in our life, and one who works through us, sanctifying us and sending us out into the world One of the things that we notice when we study the scriptures from start to finish is you realize that God is a God of the whole, a universal God, but God works through the particular in order to reach the universal. The gospel itself is for all, but it spreads out in and with and to and through each one of us who bring this message out from the particular to the universal. So I started today by saying that I had four Pentecost diagrams. and I'm hoping that one of them would stick with you today and that you might go from this place and share with someone else why it's maybe sticky to you. You can see up on the screen all four of them now, so you can maybe take a minute and think about which one is the one that is sticking with you the most. And you can be curious with the Holy Spirit about why that is sticky with you right now and who you might share it with. But I do think it's worth noticing that it's something to be shared. That's what happened on this first Pentecost. The Spirit lit the flame, the Church of Christ was born, and the people went out from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the Spirit is still at work today in and with and to and through me and you. And we get to be a part of this because Resurrection News is certainly shareable. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Friends, in our response this morning, Pastor Rock, the teaser of the song we're going to sing. Yeah, he chose this one this week. <laughs> Let's stand and sing together. <laughs>
2: moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the songs of all.
3: it happened after, after, after Jesus sent his spirit out on the church that we might go out and tell the whole world the good news, because resurrection news is indeed shareable. As you go from this place, may the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Go in peace.